I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly. And I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. It's so nice to have you here with me again this week. Got a bunch of interesting stuff to talk about. Now, you might hear a little hum there in the background. That's my air conditioner because it's dead of summer here, and so it's 9 million degrees outside. And I just ain't willing to turn off my air conditioner to record this show. I'd be dying. Speaking of summer, for those of you who share the same hemisphere as me, how are your summers treating you? I hope well. I hope you've gotten to do some traveling, do some recreation, uh, you know, take care of, uh, take advantage of the the nice warm weather. It sure ain't going to last, is it? No, it ain't. In fact, some of you might remember that years ago, I said that I can detect a change in the sunlight um, and it would affect me. I, I would experience um, like seasonal mood disorder when that change in, in the quality of sunlight happened. That change has happened. <laughs> I was just just noticing it here in the past couple weeks that the light, the light, even though it's as hot and as bright as ever, it's different. The, it's got a different quality to it. Well, lots of things to talk about, like I said, uh, so we're just going to get into it here. And before we do, let me tell you that my pup's back here. You can see him in the background. Every night, they do this napping, kind of laying around and stuff. I think it's probably because it's been so hot that they lay around a lot. And then when the evening comes, they get full of zest and energy and everything. And they start fighting and playing. And So I've been sitting here, <laughs> no joke for the past 20 minutes waiting for them to kind of work it out of their systems so that I could record this show without all that distraction. We'll see how it goes. Let's see, should I do announcements now or should I do them later? Let's go ahead and do the announcements now. TheLastSymptom.com, that's my website for free and paid resources if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with me from there, either on the telephone or on Zoom, uh, that's where you do it, TheLastSymptom.com. Now I got something to tell you. Um, got a message from somebody. They they tracked me down, found me on either Signal or WhatsApp or something like that. Sent me a message, wants me to help his girlfriend. His girlfriend is the one with the problems. All right, that's the premise. It, not him. It's his girlfriend. She's got the all these emotional health problems, and she needs my help. So. He's, she's not reaching out to me. He is, and um, you know, first 
question pops up into my mind. How did he get my number? The way he got my number was he went to my website and scrolled down to the bottom and right beneath the paragraph that says, conversations with me have to be properly scheduled, properly scheduled through this site. He, he looked right underneath that, got my number, sent me a, a direct message wanting me to help his girlfriend. So he's completely ignoring the means that I have set up in order to help people and to talk to people one-on-one. He's going to bypass all that and, and it gets, gets even better. When I don't reply to him, he pushes me to reply to him. Hey, don't just leave me hang, hanging here. If you see the message, you know, at least say something. Can you... The audacity, the audacity of this little punk to completely bypass everything I've got in place, ignore everything I've got in place there for reaching out to me, doing it his own way, and then talking to me like I'm being rude to him because I'm not replying to him because he's not doing it in the way that I've set up for him to reach out to me. Unbelievable. Anyway, I wasn't planning on telling anybody that story, but it just kind of popped out popped up into my memory that that that's one of the things that i got going on this week so you know if he's out there listening i'd be your your girlfriend may have problems but you've got problems you've got problems i'd be happy to talk to you about your problems and about your issues and about your emotional unhealth but you got to do it the right way you gotta schedule the appointment with me through my website that's why it's there and also, I'm not a charity, all right? I have to live. I have to pay my bills, too. I would love to just give my time away for free to everybody, but I can't do that. And anybody with half a brain knows why I can't do that. You go to work, right? You go to work. You have to pay for your groceries. Well, I do, too. Goodness gracious. Can't believe this guy. And the thing is, he's not the first one. You know, you've heard me, you've heard me tell the stories over the years. It's just this is the latest one, but I, I it always be- bewildering to me that somebody reaches out to me <laughs> in that way, and I know, and they must know that I know that the only way that they are able to send me a message is that they went right to my website, looked right underneath that paragraph that says you have to schedule the call with me. It has to be done through this website. Don't reach out to me. Unless you're going to do it the right way. Ignore it completely and reach out to me anyway and expect me to reply to them. I'm not going to. I ain't going to reply to you that way. Folks, I care. I really do. And part of my caring is holding a firm line in the sand there on that matter. That's how I show you I care. Because... If we get off on the very first foot, you know, the very first start that you and I get off onto is me allowing you to completely ignore my boundaries, well, then we're off on the wrong foot, aren't we? I'm trying to, you know, the, theoretically, the reason you'd want to reach out to me is because you would want help identifying unhealthy ways and thinking and attitudes that you live with and correcting them. Well, there's the first one. There's the first one right there. So something to think about. All right, um, resentment. <laughs> Segway right into resentment. Um, would you like to know? Uh, you know, a while back we talked about letting go of resentment. Would you like to know 
my process for doing that myself. It's not easy to do, especially when you've suffered uh, real injustices in your life, real injustices that continue to have an effect even way up into your life. You know, I know personally the, the, the injustices that I have suffered in my past do continue to affect me in that, you know, I'm not happy about them. <laughs> I look back at those injustices and, you know, if I spend too much time thinking about them, it just really gets me, gets my emotions riled. Most of us don't really love injustices in general anyway, but when we have been personally and directly affected by it, it's even worse, ain't it? The way I begin the process of letting go of resentment is not too um, complex. The thing I do is that every time I begin to think of how unfairly I've been treated by other people, what I choose to think about instead is how unfairly other people have been treated by me from time to time. And that kind of helps put me back in my place. Remember when we're talking about letting go of resentment, we're not talking about you know, letting somebody back into our good graces if they haven't met certain conditions. If they haven't suffered consequences and they haven't met certain conditions. We're simply talking about the feeling that you walk around with. The, the feeling of resentment that you either do or do not walk around with. That's what we're talking about. Letting go of that. No. You know, many times we've talked about how you can't just control your feelings. There's no switch in there. There's no resentment switch. You just click it on, click it off, and, and there you go. But do you remember where our feelings come from? They come from our thoughts. They're all Everything we feel is uh, preceded by a thought. So we do have complete control over our thoughts. And again, every time I say that, I have to explain why that's true if I'm you know if you tell me not to think of a I don't know don't think of a, an ice cream cone well obviously the first thing I do is I think of an ice cream cone and people will point to that and say you see there you see there you don't have full control over your thoughts but the fact that I can recognize that I'm thinking about an ice cream cone and then I can choose to think about something else means that for all intents and purposes I do have complete control over my thoughts so that's what we're tapping into when we're going to when we're trying to let go of resentment we pay attention to our thoughts and we get to choose what we think about even how we think about things and so for me that starts with instead of me getting sucked down into the quicksand of obsessing about some unjust way that somebody else has treated me what I choose to do instead is I choose to stop thinking about that and choose to think about specific occasions and regrets that I live with where I myself was the cause of somebody else's injustice it puts me back in my place you see there's a balance to it whatever degree of resentful thoughts I allow myself to think about any person who's wronged me is the same degree of resentment that I have to have for myself then isn't it because 
Well, I'm in no better position. Uh, I was talking to a feller yesterday on the phone who scheduled with me the call. Did it the right way for all you listening out there who want to <laughs> just completely walk all over me. Stop thinking about that right now. It's, it's not going to work out in your benefit if you try to walk all over me and take advantage of me. It's not going to work. But this guy, <laughs> and, the, and the topic is letting go of resentment, right? <laughs> well, this guy and I were talking, and I told him, you know, um, that when I, when I pray to God, for example, and we're not going to get into a big religious discussion here. I'm just sharing s- some details about m- my personal uh, circumstances. When I'm praying to God, often... I tell him, you know, I am certain that there are certain attitudes and thinking that I live with that are probably deeply offensive to you that I'm completely unaware of. And, uh, and I, ask, I ask God to forgive me for that, and I express my appreciation for his patience and understanding. There's nobody on the face of the earth who has not wronged somebody else. So you listening to this, if you're if you're scratching your head and thinking, well, I've never, I, I can't think of any examples where I've wronged somebody, uh, you ain't thinking about it hard enough, because there have been times, and if you can't identify any times that you've wronged somebody seriously, you might be in the situation that I'm in when I pray. That being, that you're you're not aware of them, but you're sure that they exist. Let's get back to this discussion about how things are about, you know, there's a balance to it all. You know, when we talk about emotional health, we're often talking about finding harmony and balance. That's not just flowery, gloopity-glop talk. There is truly balance in emotional health, and there's truly a lack of balance in emotional unhealth. That's why I use the example often about the teeter-totter. When I think about an emotionally unhealthy person and I analyze why they're emotionally unhealthy, their teeter-totter is always like way too much on one side or the other. There's no balance there. Emotional health, achieving it and maintaining it, involves balance, harmony. Let me see if I can try to illustrate it. Let's say I steal my neighbor's bicycle when he's not home. So I see they're not home. I run over there, got a bicycle, you know, leaned up against the side of the house. And I take that bicycle. <laughs> I roll it over to my house and hide it in my basement. Now let's say that I go to the store and uh, while I'm going, you come over to my house and you steal my lawnmower. Think about me coming home and becoming immediately enraged that you stole my lawnmower. Talk about the nerve, right? (laughs) Talk about the nerve of me choosing to focus on the injustice that I have suffered and completely disregard and forget the fact that I just I just did something similar to to my neighbor. But what am I focused on? I'm I'm focused on the injustice that I have suffered, aren't I? Rather than what I should be focused on 
which is what? Which is what I've done, what I've done to my neighbor. So if I'm going to have a right at all to feel that resentment or to, let's say, to think in resentful ways toward you for stealing my lawnmower, what do I have to do first? I have to make amends for the injustice that I've committed against somebody else. I have to make amends, make that right. And even then, I'm not completely free to think in resentful ways toward you, am I? No, because I still did what I did. As long as I can keep my own failures in mind. And this, you know, i got to be careful when I'm talking to my audience at this point in the conversation. When I'm talking about keeping my own failures in mind, what I'm not suggesting is that you do this as a way to hate on yourself or as a way to be unhealthily critical of yourself or anything like that. That's not the point of it. The point of it is not to use these things to um, beat ourselves up, to use these things to say, look at that, look how worthless you are, look how stupid you are, look how bad you are. That's not the point of it. The point of it is just to to help us maintain a balance in our thinking like that teeter-totter. You know, that wouldn't be balanced, would it, either, if I were to take the faults, my faults, my failures, and those sorts of things, and, and tilt that teeter-totter completely in, on one side and say, look how stupid you are, look how bad you are, you know, really beat myself up, use it to beat myself up with. Now, there's no balance to that. The balance is using it to just bring the teeter-totter back into balance. Yes, I did suffer an injustice, and I wish that the person had not done that. But I'm not much in a better position. Now, when I was having this conversation on our group, (laughs) I just remembered I never did finish the announcements. I got off on that tangent with that uh, story about that kid completely disregarding me and doing it his own way and expecting to get a positive result from me. But the other announcements are at thelastsymptom.com. That's where you can schedule a call with me or either on the phone or on Zoom. Uh, The Last Symptom Fundamentals course, it's that uh, two-week intensive course. Really uh, encourage you to go check that out, and if it's financially within your means, enroll in that course. I, I don't think I've ever had anybody who's taken the course who regretted it who said oh, it wasn't worth it you, you definitely will benefit yourself by taking it um, and then we've got our locals group if you'd like to join our online community you can do that by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com or by downloading the locals.com app from the app store and searching for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett that's me alright back to this discussion <laughs> about bringing balance to things remember <clears throat> I'm talking about keeping our failures in mind not to beat ourselves up or to be super critical or to hate on ourselves uh, that's there's no balance to that either the balance is we keep our failures in mind so that we're not like that person who steals his neighbor's bicycle and then when somebody comes and steals his lawnmower that's what he focuses on yeah somebody stole my lawnmower how dare they how dare they Instead of focusing on really the more important thing, uh, you, the fact that you stole your neighbor's bicycle, w- why did you do that? Maybe you, maybe you need to think about that a little bit. 
instead of about who stole your lawnmower. Keeping my own failures in mind to provide the counterbalance to other people's failures and the injustices that they've committed against me helps me release resentment. Can you can you feel inside yourself why that would be so? I think about like uh, my daughter. Let's say that uh, I'm making my daughter breakfast one morning, and I drop I drop the cereal box, and cereal just goes all over the floor. And I go, oh my goodness! And imagine my daughter says, uh, "It's all right, Daddy. Here." And she comes over, she helps me clean up the that mess. Now imagine that five minutes pass and she's taken the cereal box to put it away and she drops the cereal box. And now it all over the floor. And now imagine that I just completely forget that she was so gracious to me just a second ago. And I'm going to go start screaming and yelling at her because she dropped the cereal box. Completely disregarding the fact that I just dropped the cereal box five minutes earlier. You see how ridiculous that is. Now, some folks in the group said to me, but what if I have not committed a great injustice against somebody, like has been committed against me? So, for example, let's say somebody committed such an injustice against you that it has ruined your life. I'm just trying to think of an example. They run over your dog, kill your dog, and you think back in your memory and you say, have I ever done anything, anything, as serious as that to anybody else and you say no I haven't I haven't I know Brian says that I've committed injustices against people even if I'm not aware of them and that's true but it also might be true that maybe you've never committed an injustice of quite that severity so what do you do then what do you do in a case like that where the injustice that you have suffered has been so severe well, I'll tell you what I, what I do. What I do is I choose to think this way. I haven't committed such a severe injustice against anybody that I know of yet. Yet. Where are you at in your life story? Are you at the end? You've probably got a lot of living yet to do, don't you? How do you know? that one of these days you won't commit a terrible injustice against somebody whether intentionally or unintentionally and let me ask you this how do you hope what do you hope for yourself if that is to happen one of these days would would you like for the people that are affected by your injustice walking around resentful and full of bitterness is that what you would hope for? What would you hope for instead? Probably that they would try to grant you some understanding. That's probably what you would hope for from others if that day ever comes, heaven forbid. So that also can help you let go of resentment. Uh, I remember uh, driving in, I was in living in Hatboro at the time with my ex-wife Diana I was driving to work one day and as I was driving there was a, a sign said right lane uh, let's see 
said left lane closed ahead and I was in the left lane so there was a truck on uh, on the, in the right lane and I knew that there was a light up ahead I th- said to myself what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to speed up and get get in front of this guy real quick before I get up to that uh, light and so I sped up again you got to keep in mind I believe that the left lane is going to end any second now and I'm going under this bridge and I had forgotten that there was a closer light than the one that I was thinking about and so as I got through there I saw that the light there was a red light there and I had already started over so what happened was from this guy's perspective the guy riding in the truck next to me what I did was I sped up cut him off and then slammed on my brakes to stop for this red light now you can imagine that that would that would tick me off too but it was extenuating circumstance I didn't do it on purpose I would have never done something like that to anybody on purpose it was completely by accident and it was because just the, the circumstances were just what they were it, it pushed me into that situation kind of a no-win situation well that feller he followed me down the road trying to trying to wreck both of us riding right up on my bumper he was angry and he was trying to wreck both of us he followed me for five miles and uh, I remember telling somebody that story and the person that I was telling said well come on like that guy has never done that to somebody else himself and uh, I've never forgotten that because of course of course that guy has made mistakes driving on the road like that, made harebrained, dumb mistakes, maybe in, uh, that were not entirely even his fault, like in my case, where it wasn't entirely my fault. Do you see how stupid it was of that man? Instead of reminding himself of the times that he has done similar things to other people on the road, you know, maybe he turned left right in front of a car because he was being absent-minded that day or maybe he was going 25 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone because he was he was lost in thought or something you know we've all done it but instead of reminding himself of the times that he has done similar things to other people number one he assumed the worst about me and number two all he was focused on was the injustice that I committed against him and he was ready to kill us both. Do you see how if he would have just taken a second to say, you know, I, I've done, I've made mistakes driving down the road, I've made mistakes to other people. If he had just done that, how that resentment, maybe if it didn't completely go away in that moment, it would have greatly lessened, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it have? Yes, it would have. So these are the sorts of things that I think about when I think about resentment, letting go of resentment. The first thing I always do when the resentment starts to well up in me is I remind myself of times that I know that I've treated other people poorly. I remind myself there are times I've treated people poorly that, I'm, that I, I don't even remember or that I wasn't even aware of. Maybe it was completely unintentional. And the third one is I say, you know what, I ain't dead yet. I got lots of living to do. There's still plenty of time for me to commit lots of other injustices against other people. Intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe I'm having a terrible day and I lose my mind and I do some regretful things. 
that uh, that once I get some distance between me and the event, I look back. I I will look back on and say, my gosh, I really regret the way I handled that. For everything to be fair and balanced, to not resent myself requires me letting go of any resentment I might have against somebody else first. It's the only way it works. Otherwise, it's not fair. It's not balanced. It's not right for me to feel more resentment toward another person or to feel resentment toward another person, but not to factor in my own failures towards other people. I've committed no fewer or less serious injustices myself. I personally have not, um, unfortunately, and I regret those things. But I don't have to resent myself at all for having committed these injustices against people if I know that I'm letting go of any resentment that I have toward other people. And now, by doing that, things come into balance, don't they? I let go of the resentment, resentful thoughts that I choose to entertain about somebody who was created, committed an injustice against me. And by doing that, that opens up the way for me to forgive myself also for injustices, either intentionally, unintentionally, or either just regretful injustices that I have committed in the past that I wish that I had not. Everything comes into balance. And let me reiterate, this is not the same as saying, hey, all debts are paid, you're back in my life. It's not the same thing as saying that. It's simply the feelings that I walk around with. I still have to hold people accountable. I still have to live with conditions, consequences in my dealings with people and with myself. There's balance, right? It's not like I'm living a life where I'm only living with consequences and conditions in relation to other people. No, I, I live with consequences and conditions for myself, right? I have to meet certain conditions in order to be okay with myself. Like, uh, if, if I were to accidentally run over your dog, man, I'd have to do, in order to be okay with myself, I'd have to meet certain conditions. I'd have to do whatever I could to demonstrate the, my remorse for having done that and make things up to you the best way that I can. Once I meet those conditions for myself, then I can start to forgive myself for what I did to your dog, right? It's just an example. You don't have to go hiding your dog. He or she is not in any danger around me. You know, this also works for smaller injustices than what I'm guilty of in the past. Yes, smaller injustices would be like hurting people's feelings, doing something thoughtless, harmful gossip, forgetting an important event, so on and so forth. We've all done these things. And we'd like for others not to walk around resenting us for them forever. Ain't that true? To earn that, however, what do we have to first be willing to do? We first have to be willing to let go of any resentment toward other people who commit similar mistakes against us or commit similar injustices against us. Remember, I'm just talking about refusing to think resentfully toward others. You stop thinking in resentful ways, resentment, the feeling, starts to go away. 
But what I'm not saying is that we should not continue holding people to firm consequences and conditions. We, we just do it without any bitterness or resentment. Saw a meme this week. The meme was on somebody's social media and it's got a sad looking lady with tears in her eyes and the meme says this the worst feeling in the world is knowing you did the best you could and it still wasn't enough boo hoo <laughs> right now we do this thing on our locals group we call it unhealthy meme monday and what we do is we highlight memes that are supposed to be profound and everything, but they express uh, profoundly unhealthy sentiments, uh, profoundly unhealthy underlying attitudes. This meme would fit right in there. It would fit right into Unhealthy Meme Monday. Why, why is this meme the worst feeling in the world is knowing you did the best you could and still wasn't enough? Why is that so unhealthy? Because the person who posted it was an adult. The the person who had posted this meme is is an adult. Who do they have to do their best for? So once you're a grown-up, you're a big boy or a big girl now, who are you living for? You're not living for mommy and daddy, are you? You're not answering to mommy and daddy. You don't need mommy and daddy's approval, do you? You shouldn't. Not if you're healthy. So who are you living for? And who are you trying your best for? If you're a healthy adult, you're doing your best for yourself. You only have to live up to your own expectations. It only You only have to know that it's your best or it's not your best. So, in what situation in real life for an adult is a healthy person going to do their best and it not be good enough? You see, this meme is written by somebody who, first of all, lives with like the emotional maturity of like a six-year-old. She thinks that she's still got to be living for other people, impressing other people making other people happy like what she does is it, it, it has to be enough from their point of view that's that's children children are living in that reality not adults when i do my best who am i doing my best for me who's the only person who has to be content with my effort me that's it so the worst feeling in the world is knowing you did the best you could and still wasn't enough that's for children there's no such thing as that in the in real life for a healthy adult because the healthy adult knows that the only person that has to be content is he or she with his or her own effort if you are healthy and you know that you're do- you've done your best and the reason you're doing it is for your own self, in what situation is it not going to be, be enough? 
It will always be enough if you're doing it for yourself. Now, there is an exception if you're a God-fearing person, you know, you, you, that you live for God. Everything you do, you, you try to do, you, you're trying to please God. But otherwise, and even, even if you are a God-fearing person, still, it, for your own inner peace, you have to be content with yourself. And that's it. Because God is, God's voice is not going to come out of heaven and tell you, hey, I'm disappointed with the way you're doing that. You're not going to get that, that type of feedback. So you're doing the best you can for yourself, right? In the end, you say to yourself, it's my understanding that God would be completely content with my efforts in this thing or that thing because I'm doing my best and I am content with that. I'm content with the idea that I'm doing my best. And so I'm at peace. So unhealthy me Monday. Amazing, really, because the person is older than me posting memes like this that it's like she's stuck at six years old living for other people the way she views herself the evaluations she makes of herself depend on what other people think healthy adults don't do that ladies and gentlemen they, we don't <laughs> we don't do that alright there was an article that I would written a while back and I said this I said people are either emotionally healthy or they're emotionally unhealthy. In reality, there's no spectrum, zone. One can't sort of, sort of, have distorted, unhealthy, subconscious foundation beliefs. You either do or you don't. There's no in-between. And somebody wrote to me and said, don't you see that this is black and white thinking? There are no mutually exclusive, discrete, emotionally healthy or unhealthy states that people occupy. <laughs> uh, this used to happen a lot when I first started last symptom. People accusing me of black and white thinking. Now here's what I want you to keep in mind. Well, uh, how do I say it? The person who wrote the comment is unhealthy because black and white realities are a real thing. And pointing out black and white realities is not the same as black and white thinking. It's ironic to me that unhealthy people who live every day of their lives enslaved to black and white thinking and get comfort from false black and white thinking get defensive and outright reject things that are for real in real life black and white. It's the, it's the craziest thing. They, get, they draw great comfort. Every minute of their day is spent in black and white thinking patterns. But then you point out a black and white reality to them that truly is black and white. And they reject it. It's the oddest thing. <laughs> the person's finding fault with the notion that people can be healthy or people can be unhealthy, but there's no in-between. And this is a self-evident truth it's undeniable if I have cancer I'm not mostly healthy <laughs> think about that if, if I have cancer inside of my body I'm not mostly healthy that's not a thing I'm simply unhealthy 
I have to get it fixed. Right? Is that black and white thinking? Is it black and white thinking for me, for a doctor, to say, "Hey, you've got cancer. You're unhealthy. We gotta, you gotta get treatment." And imagine the person arguing with the doctor. No, no, no. I don't like the way you're saying that. I'm mostly healthy. Okay, mostly healthy person. If we don't give you treatment, you'll be dead in three months. But you you draw comfort from the fact that you're mostly healthy. This fake notion that you're mostly healthy. You're not mostly healthy. You're sick. And we have to treat it. When it comes to emotional health, I am either emotionally healthy or I am emotionally unhealthy. There's no spectrum. What the person finding fault with this is doing is she's confusing emotional variations that are just a part of the normal human condition that we all experience. Normal emotional roller coasters, right? Throughout a day, I feel tons of different emotions. I'm sure you do too. You know why? Because we're human beings, and that's the way feelings work. But sadness, for example, is not is not indicative of being emotionally unhealthy. It's not like sadness is a is a, an emotion that people aren't supposed to feel. It's a normal emotion. Healthy people experience sadness. Healthy people experience frustration. <laughs> As you can tell with the kid who got on the wrong side of me this week. I guarantee you that the person that uh, wrote this comment on that article believes that feeling blue and sad is quote-unquote unhealthy and that feeling happy is quote-unquote healthy. You see what I'm saying? If you're that type of person, you're walking around and you're thinking that some emotions are good emotions and some emotions are bad emotions, right? And, And then I say, there's no such thing as being kind of unhealthy. You're either unhealthy or you're, or you're healthy. Well, that person would say, well, that, that can't be true. That can't be true. It can't be true that a person can just be healthy or unhealthy because people all feel different emotions all the time. You see what I'm getting at? But is people, what is natural to being a human being, experiencing different emotions, is that indicative of emotional health or emotional unhealth? No. What is indicative of emotional health or emotional unhealth if it's not people feeling lots of different feelings and some, you know, sad feelings, depressed feelings, blue, uh, bored, um, angry, you know, these, these emotions that unhealthy people in their brains either consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously think of as being unhealthy emotions, right? How, how often do we talk about feelings are not good or bad, right or wrong? And then I still get people writing me in this way, completely disregarding it and talking to me as if feelings are good or bad, right or wrong, right? Healthy or unhealthy. Is there such a thing as unhealthy feelings? Only one, and that's shame. Shame directed towards oneself, that is the feeling that people can be shameful. 
Now, things can be shameful. Acts can be shameful. There are lots of shameful things in the world, but it can't be applied to a human being healthfully. So that's the only one. This woman writing this who's saying, no, wait a second. People can't be healthy or unhealthy. All people must be a little bit unhealthy and a little bit healthy. Right? That's her argument. That's what she's saying. All people, according to her form of reasoning, all people are a little bit unhealthy and a little bit healthy. But that's not true. The only, What she's basing that on is the fact that healthy people feel sad sometimes and frustrated and angry. These are... These are normal feelings that all people experience. What determines whether a person is emotionally healthy or unhealthy is their underlying attitudes. Their underlying attitudes. Do they have a proper understanding of the nature of feelings, self, and life? That is what determines emotional health or unhealth. You see, the reason that an unhealthy person would experience sadness is completely different from the reasons why a healthy person would experience sadness. You see, what's fueling an unhealthy person's sadness is completely false notions about feeling self and life that give birth to that sadness, depression, anger, and so forth. For the healthy person, they're just normal emotions that they feel. They're not being born of a false or erroneous understanding about the nature of feeling self and life. So this lady doesn't have the faintest notion of what emotional health or emotional unhealth is or what it involves. So let me state this and see what you think about it. What I want you to do is I want you to tell me whether it's black and white thinking or not, okay? So is this black and white thinking or not? Everything on earth is either a potato or not a potato. Is that black and white thinking or not? It's just the truth. It's just the truth, right? It's not black and white thinking. It's me describing a black and white reality. Everything on earth is either a potato or not a potato. It's it's an absolute statement of pure truth. Well, this works for emotional health, too. People are either emotionally healthy or they're not. That's That's it. And a lot of people reach out to me, I don't know if I have borderline personality disorder, so I don't know if you can, you know, I don't know if if I should be listening to the last symptom. Why does it matter? Why does it matter if you have borderline personality disorder? You're clearly unhealthy. You wouldn't be reaching out to me if that weren't the case. So why does it matter if you specifically have borderline personality disorder or not? You are unhealthy. Yes, you should be listening to the last symptom. There's no in-between. People are healthy or they're not. And one state of emotional health has nothing whatsoever to do with feeling sad or happy or angry or calm. That's a discussion about what, you know, the, the, the rainbow of emotions that human beings just naturally experience. But it's not a discussion about the state of emotional health of the person experiencing them. A lot of folks that I talk to, that I get uh, correspondence from, demonstrate that people in general have trouble distinguishing what is black and white thinking 
from what is not black and white thinking. So here, here's some examples. I want you to tell me if these are examples of black and white thinking or if they are not examples of black and white thinking. All right, number one, if you stick your hand in a meat grinder, you're going to end up with a mangled hand. Is that black and white thinking or is that not black and white thinking? That's not black and white thinking. I'm describing to you a black and white truth, a black and white reality. Anybody sticks their hand in a meat grinder is going to get a mangled hand. That's not an example of me thinking in black and white ways. That's me recognizing a black and white reality. Number two, one we already did. Everything on earth is either either a tater or not a tater. Black and white thinking or not. It's not black and white thinking. It's just I'm just describing a black and white reality that 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 is true. This is this a potato? No, it ain't a tater. It's an iPad. So it's true, right? Everything's either a tater or it's not a tater. Uh, number three, I broke my diet by eating a piece of pizza. I might as well just give up for the whole day now. <clears throat> is that an example of black and white thinking or not? That is an example of black and white thinking. My diet is not ruined just because I ate a piece of pizza. So I'm taking something that, and, and I'm choosing to think of it in a black and white way when when it doesn't apply. It's, that's not a black and white reality. That's just me thinking in black and white ways. Number four, everybody who cheats on his or her wife or husband is a bad person. Black and white thinking or not black and white thinking? It's black and white thinking. That is black and white thinking because there's more context and details that we have to know. We have to know the circumstances of the event. We have to know the details. The details do matter. We don't even know if the person was in their right mind when they did it. What if they had amnesia? What if they were trapped on a deserted island with the same woman for 20 years and they thought they were never going to get back to land? They were never going to get back to civilization and see their families again. Are they a bad person? So that is black and white thinking. And black and white thinking is always unhealthy. Although some things in reality are indeed black and white, the term black and white thinking refers to thinking that disregards reality for a narrative. I ate this piece of pizza. Now I might as well I just give up on my diet. Might as well just give up. See, it disregards reality, this black and white thinking does, in favor of a, of a narrative. Same thing with, you know, does that, is everybody who cheats on their spouse a bad person? Some people would say, yeah, nope, there's no exceptions, there's no exceptions. That, that's a narrative. That's a black and white narrative. It's not a black and white reality. Good people make mistakes. Good people misjudge things. Good people find themselves in over their heads in various circumstances. Good people have limits are dealing with, you know, limits of the human condition. We all are. It doesn't immediately make you a bad person because you do something that's bad. Yeah, that's another thing to keep in mind. 
good people do bad things all the time intentionally and unintentionally uh, that's something to sit around and think about good people do bad things I do bad things some of the bad things I do uh, I'm not even conscious that I'm doing it uh, like I said earlier it's kind of why in my prayers to God I recognize that there's pro- there, there's got to be things that are offensive in my thinking and attitudes um, that I'm completely unaware of you know I, I've only been on the face of this earth for 48 years now it, it's just me recognizing my limits the realities of the human condition that's all it is it's, I'm not beating myself up about it I, I'm not using it to hate on myself or anything like that I'm simply recognizing that it, the, the odds are very good that there are certain aspects of my thinking and attitudes and various things that while maybe not unhealthy might still be offensive to God to recognize that something just is what it is and that there are no other possibilities is not black and white thinking it's simply the acknowledgement of the reality that there are only two possibilities or outcomes or let's say only a set uh, a certain set of possibilities and outcomes so people back in the old days used to accuse me a lot and I'm sure they still do out there the bitter people you know the people who are bitter and uh, that I haven't had dealings with in five years but they probably still hanging on to that resentment and, and who is it it's not it's not robbing me asleep who is their resentment robbing of inner peace and contentment not me not me them them they're, they're very unhappy uh, somebody else uh, recently told me that they tried to uh, post a link to some of my work on this website that I used to write for that I don't anymore and the folks there said they kept deleting it kept deleting it kept deleting it and he said hey what what gives and they said Brian Barnett is persona non grata in this group uh, I haven't had dealings with those folks in five years not in five I don't th- I don't sit around thinking about them at all uh, so whose inner peace and contentment is being affected by their bitterness and resentment their own inner peace and contentment it, it doesn't affect me at all not at all so you know talking about giving getting rid of resentment that balance we were talking about who benefits from that from you doing that from getting rid trying to let go of resentment you benefit from it who is affected by you not letting go of resentment not anybody else not anybody else it doesn't matter how great the injustice that you suffered was by somebody your resentment toward them does not affect them at all it doesn't rob them of contentment or peace at all it robs you of contentment and peace that's a very good reason to take seriously the idea of working to let go of it so I said people (laughs) all people with emotional disorders are dealing with the same underlying cause which is true this is why it doesn't matter if you have borderline personality disorder if you have an emotional disorder you can benefit from the work that we do here but people buck and buck and fought that 
You don't know that, they'd say. They still say it. You don't know that. You say that emotional disorders all have the same fundamental cause. You don't know that because we're individuals, you see. We're all individuals. You're not, you're not allowing for the fact. Uh, you're not allowing for our individuality in the formula. What about our individuality? <laughs> well, right, people are individuals. And as individuals, every surgeon knows exactly where to find your and everybody else's liver, spleen, heart, kidneys, stomach. They don't have to try and guess where to find them for each person. They're always in the same place for everybody. Just because we're all individuals doesn't mean that some things don't apply to all of us as human beings right so I appreciate that you're you're an individual but you're also a human being and guess what I fit into that category too as human beings some things just affect us all the same like if I walk into a room full of radiation of deadly radiation do I have to say well I'm an individual maybe this won't affect me I mean I know that the other five guys who walked in there dropped dead but but maybe I, it'll be different for me because I'm an individual. I feel differently about things than they did. So maybe the radiation won't affect me the same. I'm a human being. The effect that certain things have on us as human beings works across the board. It's like if I tell you that cyanide will kill you. You can whine and complain about how you're an individual and how I can't possibly make such a blanket statement as that. But it ain't going to save you if you're exposed to the cyanide. Your body will react to it the same as mine and the same as all human beings' bodies react to cyanide. So to say that the causes of emotional disorder are the same for every single person alive is not black and white thinking. Even though it's true that I'm describing a black and white reality, it's not an example of me thinking in black and white ways. I'm just explaining a reality as it applies to all human beings. Remember, Black and white thinking and black and white realities are describing two entirely different things. One is just a truth, the other is an unhealthy way of thinking. Last thing, in a conversation about why should is not a very constructive way to think, and I know I use it from time to time, there is a legitimate use for the term should. For example, when we're thinking back into the past and we say, you know, I should not have done that. We're not seriously thinking to ourselves you know what I'll do is I'll create a time machine and I'll go back and prevent that from happening what we're doing is we're we're, we're making a mental note aren't we we're making a mental note of in the future I'm going to learn from that mistake and I'm going to try to do it differently that's what we mean by should but there's a non-constructive use of the word should and that's to get lost on or quicksanded into things that are unchangeable right so I'd like you to think about this. You're on your way to work, run out of gas, now you're broke down by the side of the road without gas. Is it constructive or helpful in that situation for you to be sitting there in your car that won't run, telling yourself, I should have put gas in the car this morning. Daggum, here I am, stranded on the side of the road. I should have put gas in the car this morning, and that's you're just fixated on that. Is that constructive? Or is it more constructive 
to let those thoughts go. Simply accept the reality of the situation you were in and figure out what to do about it. You see, that's the example of when should, thinking in terms of should and should nots, is not constructive. You just have to say, look, it is what it is. I am in the situation that I'm in. And me sitting here thinking about what I should or should not have done yesterday is getting me nowhere. It's getting me nowhere. In fact, it's just wasting my time. So I should have put gas in the car yesterday, Yeah, but, but I didn't. And here I am with an empty gas tank. So me sitting here thinking about what I should have done yesterday is getting me nowhere. It's not constructive. What is constructive? You accepting I'm in this situation now. Now what do I do about it? I could do this, and I could do this, and I could do this. These are your options. Not, I should have done such and such yesterday. So there's an example for you, help you get out of this should mindset. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you all for joining me. I hope uh, the show turns out pretty good. I hope to see you over there on Locals. You guys have a nice weekend. I'll, I'll talk to you real soon.